This is the Leadership and Insurance Podcast, brought to you by FinPro Search Partners. Insurance companies are businesses and they need to look for the long term and be sustainable. We went from zero to one and now it's going from one to a hundred. Insurance as, as a concept, as a kind of service, is brilliant. The execution is what we're looking at now. I think the companies that are going to succeed are the ones that are going to understand and master the art of intent. When we talk about innovation, we lean too heavily to think about technology and we don't think about creating a culture of innovation. I think innovation is essentially continuous improvement of existing processes and platforms and product, right? It's got to be easy. It's got to be seamless. Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and I'm very lucky today to be joined by Garrett Gray, who's president of CoreLogic's Global Insurance Business Unit. Um, that's my mouthful. I'm hoping I got that right, Garrett. Is that is that, is that, is that, that the right? That's exactly right. It is a mouthful. <laughs> um, well, I mean, we talked about this actually before, and, and, and I think, um, uh, you know, CoreLogic's a business that we've wanted to have on for a while, and you know it's one of these kind of like huge businesses and sometimes one of the things I talked about is, is kind of zeroing in on what that person's role is within within that business so I don't think there'll be anyone listening that is unaware of who Core Logic is but it'd be great Garrett as is custom on the podcast for you to introduce yourself and then obviously um, the specific business or, or business unit that you you are responsible for. So my name is Garrett Gray and as you already said with, with what is a mouthful uh, I'm the president <laughs> of the uh, insurance division for CoreLogic globally. Um, we have products, everything from underwriting all the way through claims and targeted on a global level for insurance carriers uh, and the rest of the ecosystem supply chain. Um, CoreLogic itself uh, is a much bigger company beyond uh, insurance. It has real estate, mortgage, um, and other sort of data services that uh, uh, serve, you know, primarily the U.S., Australia, U.K., uh, but also the global markets as well. Awesome. awesome. Um, we've got loads to talk about. I, I was, I was, um, I was fascinated with the conversation that we had before, and, and also your journey to be part of the Core Logic team is obviously very interesting, which I think we'll sort of pick into later on. Um, you just, you just CoreLogic just had their conference in London that we didn't, um, we, um, we we were not aware of, and I, I thought the theme was really interesting on partnerships. Um, and I was having a parallel conversation to with someone else who said made this really interesting point. Um, and as a CEO who said that he thinks the biggest distributors of insurance, um, essentially, he said, like insurance carriers are, are going to become the biggest agents um, in, in the industry. And what he meant by that is that the customers were coming to them and they were using the sort of a marketplace model. And even if they couldn't sell you a policy, they wanted to sell you a policy for one of their competitors because at least therefore they were kind of making revenue. And and we sort of touched on the idea that some of the much, much bigger um, services providers, software providers in, in, in the insurance space, I can see adopting a similar model because you want them in your ecosystem, but you want those people to be able to plug into... Um, they're, they're sort of smaller components or different software providers because then at least you're kind of all at the party and and you we were having this conversation you said that partnerships have been this big part of core logic but um, am i mad does that make sense to what i'm suggesting <laughs> can you see well, that? Listen, 
I think this industry is really transforming uh, into something that is more uh, about beyond the buildings, the the people, the that that represent the lives that uh, uh, that are behind these structures. And I think carriers are recognizing that and and recognizing that they can have uh, business relationships with them beyond just the, the standard insurance solutions that they've been selling. So carriers that we're talking to are trying to broaden out uh, to help their policyholders with home solutions and uh, be a part of their everyday life, not just uh, their you know, property or auto insurance. And so I, I, it, it sort of parallels where I think the industry is going and how uh, the team at, at CoreLogic uh, wants to engage with the industry. It's all about partnerships. It's all about uh, people collaborating with people and recognizing that not every company has the solution. So I may not have the the policy as a carrier that, that fits what you need, but I can help you get to the uh, carrier who does. Um, and same with us on the technology side. Uh, we may not be the solution for everything, but maybe we can partner with a, a smaller startup or uh, another you know big competitor to, to help uh, our carriers get the right uh, sets of solutions that they need. I think it's just a, there's a change in business dynamic, isn't there? And I, and I think this across the across most of businesses. And, and I'm going to use a really you have to go with me on this, but I'm I'm, I'm having my uh, I'm having my property renovated, and and one of my frustrations is when you I get an electrician, and then they're looking at my kitchen again. You have any kitchen done? I was like, yeah. And they're like, oh, we do kitchens as well. And I was like, okay, um, but you're an electrician, and and it's like I want the intro. But I kind of want to I, I kind of want to manage those things. And what I'm trying to say is that if you're the software provider, I think of the past, it used to be, oh, we can do that and we can do that and we can do that. Because we were in that world that was a hybrid between um, on-prem and then kind of selling these huge implementation projects that went on forever. And it was always sewing together bits that probably were not fit for purpose. Whereas yeah. now what we're looking at is much more partnership-driven ecosystem where you go, yeah, we're not the best provider of that, or we don't do that. But here's three people that do we've worked with before, and you're actually what you're selling is your ability to partner with those people. Is is that how the dynamics change probably in the software world? I think so. There is a a, a lot of challenges that our customers are trying to tackle, and these are not easy challenges. They're very complex, and so to think that any one company, I don't care how innovative or uh, how much R&D resources you have can tackle uh, all these big topics is, I, I think would be you know, the height of hubris. Like this is something that uh, requires a whole industry to come together to, to, to tackle these challenges. And so at CoreLogic, we view it as a, a partnership play. Everything that we do with our customers should be very partnership oriented, not about what's best for us, but what's best for the customer. How do we uh, you know, customize our solutions? We can do development uh, to make it more tailor-made to a, a carrier's uh, process. But at the same time, we recognize there are things that, that the carrier is going to want to tackle that we don't tackle in our software. And so the best way to service them in those uh, situations is to integrate with someone who does. And sometimes that means we're bringing someone to the table. And sometimes that means they've already tested and, and done a pilot with somebody else that, that maybe we haven't worked with and that we need to start working with now. So it, it, it happens in all sorts of ways. But I think the main theme, is, and I, just like what you're seeing with carriers helping policyholders find other policies with other carriers, the recognition that nobody can do everything and that if we can help our customers get to the right solution, 
that we'll probably get more business in the long run and everyone will be happier. And so it's, it's, you know, a, I hope it's not too kumbaya, kumbaya <laughs> but I think that uh, uh, it, it really is the way that business is evolving and we are happy to be at the you know, forefront of that evolution. Mm. I think it's inherent in, um, you know, we're talking about an industry that thinks in decades and centuries, you know, and, 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 and I think Jeff Case, um, when he came on the podcast, was talking about that. You know, we were talking about getting people to change, like life actuarial modeling software. You know, yeah. you've, got, you've got a business that is inherently looking at the term of someone's life. And the idea that they would change that, you know, is, is really, really difficult. So, you know, trying to kind of force decisions on people it's better to be yeah and also kind of not, not acknowledging the lifetime value of a, of, of a customer in, in the space you know if you've got a carrier and you can keep them for a long time then you know the return is, is great and the best way to do that is probably through partnerships and you know we echo that in our world like i'd like to think that you know we're a search firm you come to us and we're really good at certain things if you come to us for something we're not good at my role is not to say oh well, you're on your own it's it's usually I've been in this space a long time. I've been in the recruitment industry for 17 years. I probably know three or four people I can recommend that are better than me at that one specific thing. And I'd rather do that and then get the kind of, yeah, I don't know, yeah. the, the, the sort of the relationship. Yeah, the recognition in the relationship. So it's important. Um, uh, this, is a, this is a conversation I've been desperate to ask you, actually, because it's the buy versus build versus partnership. And my kind of view, really, that, well, what is it now? Is there even an argument for build anymore? Like, I, I don't even know why, why build's on the table. Um, is it I, I, augment? Maybe augment, but not build. Listen, I I don't disagree with carriers who have thought in the past they have to build in order to uh, in order to get what they need. I I don't think there's you know previously. Uh, that there has been a ton of collaboration. I think carriers have been starving for innovation for a long time. Um, even CoreLogic didn't have the size and scale in this space until recently uh, to really be that collaborative partner. And so I, I have a lot of empathy for, for carriers that who have said, we're just going to build it ourselves because we haven't seen uh, the type of innovation that we need to see in this industry. And so that industry dynamic is changing because there's more competition now that CoreLogic is uh, is uh, in the game. But uh, I, I think going forward, generally, uh, you know, these are not software companies. Carriers might have huge IT teams and they may employ more software developers than all of us. Uh, but in the end, uh, I, I don't think they generally have the track record of developing something that is going to be as competitive as something that uh, that someone like us or another partner might be able to uh, develop. And so I think as we are engaging with customers more and they see the partnership uh, side of uh, how we operate and, and we're able to bring more uh, players to the ecosystem, I think you'll see a lot less decisions to build uh, and more uh, to buy and partner. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's 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 just natural now, and I, and I think you know I, I think back to when I used to work in insurance, and there was this I was there, and it was a role I worked in claims, and there was a rollout of this new claims software that had been completely bespoke built, and it was like it's such a good. It's funny I was wasn't in insurance for a huge amount of time, but uh, but it's always funny to me that I happened to be there in this window where they were rolling out this thing. 
just wasn't fit for purpose. So it was like three years, it didn't work. All the classic stories, like the claims team were using it. Almost no one had been involved in the claims team in the kind of creation of this thing. Um, whereas now, but but I think that that made sense then because finding a piece of software that you could integrate quickly, efficiently, and also fail quickly and get away from is 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 also important. Um, that's not that's possible now. I'm not saying it's like easy, but but you probably wouldn't take three years to roll in and out of a piece of any piece of software that you could use now. So do, yeah. what do you think that ability to I, fail I, quickly as well? Yeah, I, I think being able to fail quickly is is very important for being agile and and for getting to the best solution fastest. Um, I, I think the other you know difference is that. When, when a carrier is building internally, they're sort of building from their point of view only. And I think that's really important that their point of view is a, at the forefront of, of how things get developed. Uh, but at the same time, I think there's a healthy pushback that comes when a, a software partner like us has a broad perspective, has sees all sorts of operational styles and sort of can tell what works the best and 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 is that healthy challenge to say, hey, have you thought about doing it this way? Um, and then it really helps edit, you know, what people are building. Sometimes with software, uh, you get everyone's idea and everyone has a, a, a kind of a, a perspective and there's no uh, you know, traffic cop there to, to manage that and you get a bit of a mess. Um, and then in the end, no one uses it. And so I think working with kind of something that becomes a more industry standard um, that is uh, getting a broad view of how the industry is operating can actually help a lot of these carriers operate more smoothly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, and it goes back to your earlier point as well, I think, is that they're not software companies. And and I, I always think, you know, if you think about insurance as, you know, this investment vehicle and risk is is the way that they're kind of driving the return. It's like the modeling around that, the way that they approach that, the way they use that, their thesis on that is the differentiator. And to a certain extent, it's like the software is fairly, not the software is ubiquitous, but like what every carrier has to do. Despite how over the last 10 years about InsureTech, we've tried to reinvent the story of how these things run. Like they all run fairly similarly. They they have yeah. underwriting functions, they have risk and actuarial, they have claims. And, and really it's like, okay, that's not your differentiator. The differentiator is in, your pricing, your risk selection, you know, your your appetite to risk, and and it's and it's important that we focus on that. Um, uh, I wanted to ask you what you thought it meant for the tech, the change in tech stack, and this move towards kind of build and partnership. One of the things we've talked about a few times, um, and I say talked about because I'm no tech expert. There's a reason why we have a Wednesday edition of the same podcast with my with my colleague Gavin, who runs the tech side of things. Um, <laughs> But the teams are, what do you think it means for the talent in those tech teams internally insurance? Are, are we seeing slightly different profiles, slightly different needs from those teams as we go forward? Listen, I think it, it the, the teams that, that carriers are bringing together to, to tackle these challenges are great teams. Like they are very smart and are uh, able to uh, keep up with uh, our teams. I, I think it's not just the tech team. I think it is the, the SMEs that surround them that and the process for getting to the best answer. And I think that's where we excel. Uh, we pull from the industry. We're not, we're, you know, we're, we're both 
uh, insurance geeks and technology geeks. We're kind of that combination of the two. And I think that uh, we're really good at, at attracting and creating a process that uh, it allows those two things to really mesh together well. And I, I think that's maybe something that you, you see that is potentially lacking with certain carrier teams is, uh, you know, they're great technologists, um, but that kind of mashing of that in the, in the actual insurance perspective is, is something that is, is sometimes lacking. And sometimes you see, uh, you know, conflict between the you know, tech teams and the, and the kind of the people on the front lines. And I think that's where we're really able to help come smooth that out um, in, a, in a real partnership uh, uh, style. Mm. I mean, it's it's reflective of that, you know, that story of me playing first in insurance is like that was built in isolation. And I think the, where the tech teams don't work is they're sort of they're talking tech and one's talking insurance and the best teams do both really, really well. But that's right. um, and that has to be a cultural thing, right? Like you have to that's right. you have to have a cultural intention to mm. to do those two things well. And and that is what a insure tech uh, company does. It's not necessarily how a carrier operates. That's not their primary, uh, you know, intention. Like they, they're they're uh, they're not focused on that in the same way, and and so that's it. Really requires a lot of intentionality to get to that sort of culture. Yeah, I, there's a conversation about um, uh, culture um, that we that I like to have all the time, which is that the innovation and we we obsess about the tech and you you've got to build in that culture and, and what is a culture of innovation like it's it's allowing people to fail it's allowing people to be brave um but, but more than anything it's like it's the culture of uh from top down of, of the ability to allow people to try new things and communicate across the piece that this is what we're going to go going to go and do because otherwise you get that innovation in isolation which doesn't drive any change at all um and we see that a lot you know and that's probably where you see really frustrated tech teams trying to do something and we um we we did a project uh earlier this year and we was to put together this algo underwriting team and we put this project team in for this uh, big carrier and they went in and they were like right this is what we need to do here's the scope and then they started to go these are the departments that we need to work with when they went into these departments it's about three or four separate departments most of these departments were part way through building this solution already, but none of them were aware that each of them were doing it. It's just like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, quite right. Um, how do you, how does Core Logic approach partnerships? How, how do you, and, and I suppose what, what makes a good one work in, in, your, in your world? Yeah, look, I think the, uh, the this is again, as a, as a, Thing that you can only drive through having a intention around making this a cultural part of who you are. It has to be part of your DNA. Um, and if it's not part of your DNA, you're never going to do it well. And so this has been a, a big focus of ours uh, for a, you know, quite a long time. Um, and, and it's all about just driving um, two solutions that aren't always in our best interest. It has to be in the best interest of the client. And I think sometimes software companies only think about their best interest, think about their long-term strategies. And if it doesn't align, they're not interested. And I think our long-term strategy is our customers. And so that sort of uh, point of view, I think changes the way that you approach your customers. And, and in the end, what it does 
is it puts us in the trenches with the people who are living the claim experience or the underwriting experience every day. And it creates new products. It creates you know, new innovations. It creates uh, the, the type of environment where you actually get to the right answer. That means you have to be able to fail fast. It means you have to be able to trust each other and, and, and build relationships so that uh, you can experiment and try things and go, hey, that didn't work. Let's try something different. Let's, let's try to move fast. Um, and, and I think once you have that relationship, and there's a number number of big carriers that we have that relationship with, you see some really big value come out of that. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you look at, you know, from Nextgear, which I know we'll get into, which is the company that I founded that then got acquired by CoreLogic. If you look at th- that kind of culture of being a, a kind of scrappy startup and one that is partnership uh, focused, we, create, we actually you know, took on some big challenges and now you got the scale of CoreLogic and you mash those things together uh, for us, it's really exciting because when you can have that partnership uh, uh, oriented uh, culture and then you have scale and the ability to tackle big challenges, there's there's really no limit to what you can achieve with your customers. Mm. Um, yeah, it's amazing how we, we talk about tech and then it always comes back to culture, always comes back to the people. Always comes back to culture, yes. Yeah, yeah. because it's the people who are who are actually driving these things forward. And if they're not engaged or they have a culture of we know everything and, and they can't see past their own solutions, then then you just you don't get the outcomes that you're looking for. And so it's all about mm. how you engage with people. Mm. I I couldn't agree more. Um the the the, the, the challenge I think with the core logic, and this is why I think wearing your hat and your next gear hat, and I, I've got a specific question around that, but I but I wanted to yeah, how does a company that is as large as CoreLogic get close enough to these kind of like really early, really exciting developments in insure tech outside of those that you might be kind of working on yourself from an R&D perspective? So, you know, talk about that culture piece. Yeah, How do you allow yourself to get close enough to those kind of real cutting edge, bleeding edge pieces of tech? Yeah, look, I think it's about segmenting off teams that are solely focused on on those sorts of things knowing that you know there might be things they're working on that won't actually turn into customer value because it just doesn't work but we needed that experiment to 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 figure that out um so i i i we look at it slightly differently uh in in how we're approaching this whole kind of emerging tech with generative ai and and all sorts of uh buzzwords we could throw around uh, in our space today, uh, especially in the technology side. And I think the way that we're looking at it is how do we create small innovations every day so that we're delivering value and increased value every day so that when you look back five years from now, it looks really transformational. However, or it is transformational. However, you didn't have to wait five years for the value. And so I think our approach to, to kind of this bleeding edge technology is how do we keep integrating pieces of it without saying that, hey, we're, we're working on something that five years from now is going to automate your entire experience or 10 years from now might automate your entire experience. So it's completely speculative. We, uh, we are looking at it as a, how do we find what's tested, what makes sense, bring it into the workflow, how to make incremental change, get value in our customers' hands early. And then when you look back, it will be transformational. Um, and, and there might be other things that we work on that are, uh, or held back longer and then becomes this kind of big uh, leap and transformation. But uh, I think in general, our approach is, is to make, look at it incrementally. Uh, 
little bite-sized pieces. And, and, and I think that why we're excited to have you on is, is you know, it reminded me, I, I used to work for Hayes, which is the world's biggest, well, I think it's the world's biggest specialist uh, recruitment business. But Hayes Insurance was actually only 120 people. So we had this huge business, but actually the guys that focused on, you know, specifically what I was in my industry was quite small. We just had the resources. So I think sometimes it's a lazy analogy to, and, and, it, and it's a lazy rhetoric that comes out, particularly of startups going, well, these bigger players can't innovate. And I'm like, yeah, but they're, they're, they're not necessarily as big as you think they are in terms of the pieces that care. Um, True. It, does it have that feel internally? Do you feel very much like the insurance team is one team? It just has the resources supporting it um, in the bigger way. Yeah, look, I, I, I think it's about mindset, frankly. And um, it's about being willing to take a risk. It's about uh, willing to be able to uh, ruffle some feathers sometimes uh, and, and, and really creating a culture uh, that, that gets people fired up to, to do big things. And I, I think in bigger teams, sometimes there's complacency, right? People are just trying to keep their jobs. They're just, you know, they're not really uh, in it for some sort of big vision. They're just kind of, you know, doing their daily tasks. And I, I think at CoreLogic, uh, I think broadly uh, in CoreLogic, but also especially in the insurance team, like we've got a vision and we've got something that we want to execute against. And we really want to bring significant change to an industry that hasn't changed in a long time. Um, and we're really changing a dynamic in the industry um, that has you know, been something that people have not loved for a while. So we're kind of get to be a little bit of the heroes, not that we're heroes, but like you get to come in and like, you know, change things and bring a kind of a fresh perspective uh, into an industry that's had a lot of stagnation. And, uh, and that really gets people excited because they want to be a part of something like that, part of something that will actually, you know, make some big lasting change. Mm -hmm. We'll allow ourselves to be heroes, Gary. Let's do that. Why not? <laughs> it Go sounded on. a little uh, uh, too uh, uh, <laughs> self-involved to say that, but I, I do think there is a, 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 a a sense of morality or like uh, being good guys that, uh, that uh, this team has. And, uh, and it's all about how we put customers first in a way that we think is unique. And, and so it really drives people to, to want to be on the team and to, to engage when they're on the team. No. Um, I want to switch about your experience of, of being acquired by CoreLogic. Obviously, you know, you, you founded Next Gear is your, your company. Um, how do you? Well, let's give some context as well. So, so talk us through next gear and you, and, and you know, briefly your sort of journey then. Um, you know, why why did they acquire you? What 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 did you have uniquely that 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 needed to onboard? And you can put your cape back on now. It could be your hero okay. moment as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, about seventeen years ago, me and a very small group of people uh, started a company called Next Gear. Next Gear was focused on the restoration contractor and helping uh, automate what was a very manual, paper-intensive process. Uh, on the supply supply chain side, um, we really were uh, involved in, in helping contractors just better their businesses, and and that was something that started to get the attention of carriers because obviously they want a strong supply chain where where we get you know good processes and good customer outcomes, and so we started to work with carriers and building solutions that kind of cross and, and help both uh, uh, collaborate with each other. And really the, the, uh, the, the main intention behind what we were doing is 
how do we get these two groups, restoration contractors and carriers, to work better together so we get better outcomes for policyholders? And, and that is the uh, kind of the thesis that really, um, you know, pushed us to, to develop a lot of the products at Nextgear. Um, Nextgear ended up having a pretty big uh, market uh, position in the carrier side and on the contractor side. Uh, part of that came through, um, uh, uh, through acquisitions. So we, did, we acquired five companies uh, in, in, along our journey. Um, and in the end, we woke up with the largest group of restoration contractors on a platform where they're choosing to be on a platform. And then we had eight of the top 10 carriers who uh, were using our claims uh, collaboration platform. So uh, we had you know, a pretty good market presence, which is, I think is why uh, CoreLogic uh, uh, was attracted to us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> so I realized my my uh, my question was almost like an accusation. Why did they buy you? No, um, obviously, but, but I think what I think is interesting, particularly because you know people listening to the podcast are, you know, software companies of different sizes. Some are kind of earlier, and 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 it's an interesting kind of journey to go through. So, how do you make that transition successful? How how does that work? Because you're taking one culture. We've talked about culture a lot in this conversation, and then putting it into a new, even if it's a similar culture, you know, even if there's different things. So how did you manage that and how did you approach that? Yeah, I, I think the experience of acquiring five companies uh, and, and having to work with uh, those founders that were, you know, giving up their businesses to be a part of a bigger business uh, and going along that emotional journey with them, which it is an emotional journey, by the way, like when mm-hmm. you are, you know, you kind of put your blood, sweat, tears into something, it's, it's your baby, you've named it, you've, you know, nurtured it, you've, you've done all these things that uh, to make this thing grow, and you've got a team of people have done it with you. Um, and then to like, just surrender that to a bigger company. I was able to go through that journey five times uh, with these other founders, and a lot of those founders stuck around and some of them are most of them are still with me today, in this broader uh, context. And so um, I, I think that gave me a little bit of empathy for, you know, both sides of the equation. And what was really interesting in the end is that, you know, I'll, I was going to have to lead both sides of the integration because I was taking over the insurance business at the same time for CoreLogic. So part of the deal when I, we required is that not only would we come on, but I would continue to run the broader business, the, the, the business that was acquiring me, I was going to actually you know, be in charge of. And so I had to run both sides, which means like, how do you keep all the great people that you you're bringing with you on because the things are going to be different in a bigger company. And how do you, you know, have the, the team that was the legacy core logic, not feel like, Hey, this new guy is going to come in and, and have those guys start to, to run away. And so I it really, it's to me, it, what makes acquisitions successful or, or, or failure is can you retain the people? Can you retain the people that really made both companies uh, special and can you mash them together in a way where uh, everyone feels respected and everyone feels engaged and everyone feels excited about what they're going to do next? And I think we were able to do that uh, at CoreLogic. I think we were not only able to retain people, but people that left during the process came back. Um, and I think, you know, it speaks a lot just to the quality of the people on my leadership team and, and the quality of people on both sides of, of, of you know, CoreLogic teams and Nextgear teams that we're able to come together and figure out the best way to work internally. Um, and we did that in a way that everyone wanted to stay on board. So I, I think that is the, the kind of 
the main focus for me uh, in these processes is how do you retain people and how do you engage them? And, and so it all goes back to culture again. Um, and uh, I think acquisitions are no different. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's people, people, people. I, I'm gonna, it's a theme of this podcast, which um, selfishly I'm over the moon about, but <laughs> it's, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, we talk about this a lot and, 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 you know, innovation is technology, but, but people build technology. So, you know, it's always about having the right people, keeping the right people, motivating the right people. And, and that's what creates big businesses. And I think sometimes we overcomplicate things because we try and, in this world of AI, and there's always that talk about kind of, you know, there's, well, there's always the sort of clutching at pearls kind of dramatic version of kind of AI where everything's going to be, everyone's going to be replaced. But we all know it's like the best people will always have a job and they'll have a more higher valued, more kind of rewarding role because some of the monotony has been taken away. Um, the, you know, I can't believe how quickly we've got through kind of a half an hour here. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll probably leave on this, but you know, there's a lot for you to do there. Um, I'm sure you've got big ambitions for the insurance business unit. So what, what can we expect to see over the next kind of 12 to 18 months from CoreLogic around the insurance piece? Yeah, I, I think the, the our main goal right now is to make sure that we're serving our customers in, in as broad of a context as possible. So everything from our underwriting uh, and our, our CAT and, and uh, uh, data models that help carriers assess you know, risk and price and all the way to how they manage the claim once there, if there is a claim. And uh, you know, there is a huge focus for us of, of helping uh, carriers get in as much of that tech stack as possible. And, and the S-matics is, is something that uh, is, is more nascent for us. So we have uh, less people using our S-matics than we like. And so we've been really growing that Liberty Mutual and Chubb uh, uh, embracing that recently and a few others that we, we can't talk about yet. And so I think what you'll see in with us on the claim side is that you know, there'll be you know, a, a balance of, of uh, carriers using our S-Matic uh, platform versus our competitors. Um, and then you know, I think we've got some of the best expert systems that surround that. Uh, and, and we have a real huge opportunity to really change the dynamic of uh, how these things get processed. And, and we have a, a, a lot of um, ideas around uh, how to make that more collaborative and 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 put a lot of the decision making back into the customer's hand, and so they don't feel like they're beholden to a technology company. And so I think that's what you'll see more of us. And and also I think we we think there's a a, a place for us to bring people together, people that have um, uh, not necessarily worked well together, create like a, a safe space for people to have really difficult conversations that then. Uh, turn into action items that can really push the industry forward. And so you see that with our Interconnect in Europe, we've got Interconnect coming up in, in Austin. That's always the theme is how do we like build together? And uh, and that doesn't always mean it's in our self-interest. It might mean that it's it's something that we're bringing a technology partner to. And, and so we think, you know, creating that ecosystem, that culture uh, broadly is going to help the, us and the rest of the market win. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and, yeah, I think the, the theme of our chat, we've, we've always got ahead of this, like people and partnerships is, is, is the future yeah. of technology. So um, if you're happy with that, we'll sign off on that now. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah. Um, Garrett, it, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, you know, I, I think we've really managed to break down and distill kind of where CoreLogic sits from an insurance perspective. And I, and I think, honestly, outside looking in, sometimes these kind of larger software companies are 
are hard to get your hands around so it's really good to kind of distill it down so thank you for that and um look thank you so much for being a guest on the leadership and insurance podcast yeah thanks for having me it's been great